out there, I want you to grab one and take home with you for all your mothers. We want to honor you today in that. And we've been going through the book of Revelation. We got some visitors with us. Want you to know you're our honored guests. Please come back each and every opportunity that you have to worship with us. We love you. We're glad you're here. We want you to to feel free to worship with us at any time, but also know that we honor the Word of God, and we're about ready to get into an exciting part. If you brought your Bibles with you, turn to Revelation chapter 4. That's where we're at. We've made it through the first three chapters. We've talked about the seven churches that was in there in chapters 2 and 3, and now we're in, in chapter 4, and as you're turning there, tell you something about, I, I heard this week about it. A guy I knew. You know how the newfangled city streets, they're starting to put cameras up there that'll take the picture, like if you're going too fast, and it'll get a picture of you and the license plate of the car and stuff. And this one guy, he was always conscious of, he knew where they were. And he would make sure that he would go slow, five miles even under the speed limit when he went through there. And he was going through one such intersection and light flashed on him. And he's like, I was doing 25 and a 30. That's not right. So he turns around and he goes back through. And he looks up there again. Light flashes, captures him again. Oh, he was getting hot. So he went by, he's like, I am innocent of that. I am not speeding. So he went by three more times, waving when he'd go by, smiling like I'm not doing nothing wrong. A couple weeks later, he gets this uh, letter in the mail from the traffic department, and he had five tickets for not wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> so watch, cover all your bases when you think you're okay. But anyway, we're in chapter 4 of Revelation, if you're there with me. And last week we began and we saw... How in those first couple of verses that it talked about the first thing that was saw, John heard the voice that he had heard in the beginning. And the voice said, come up here and I'm going to show you the things that's going to happen after these things. And immediately he was popped in the spirit. And he goes up and he is first thing he sees is the throne and him that sits upon the throne. And that's the focal point of heaven, folks. is the throne of Jesus Christ. And then he's going to tell us some attributes about that throne. And before we do, I want us to bow in a word of prayer. Because I want us to relax. I don't want you to think, I can't understand these things. Because you're going to find out how simple this is. And the great blessings... I'm glad we stopped here on a Mother's Day lesson because there's not a greater lesson of encouragement that we could have for mothers and that a son could give for a mother than what Christ has done for us. And we're going to see that right here. So I want you to ask God to help you understand and give you wisdom and knowledge as we get ready to break this in your own silent prayer. And then I'll close this out. And then we're going to read those first three verses together. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus the Messiah as the one song we sang. And 
for the amazing love that you've had for us in the other song. And may in all we do, may we honor you. So Father, thank you for this day and your son. We pray that we will honor you today as we worship you. And we pray that as we now rightly divide your holy and divine word, that you will help us to understand and make it clear. And may we leave here excited about what this vision of the throne means for us as Christians. And we pray this, Father, in the fellowship that we have with you in the word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you're there with me, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 begins like this. After these things I looked, and behold, there was a door, and it was standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was like that of the trumpet speaking to me, and it said, Come up here, and I will show you the things that must take place after these things. And immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one that was sitting upon the throne. And he who was sitting there was like a jasper stone, and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Rocks and rainbows, that's what we're going to talk about. The rocks and the rainbows at the throne. Man, and I look at that and I think, the one that sat upon the throne is like a jasper and a sardius stone. What in the world is that supposed to mean to me? <laughs> so, we started out with Revelation saying that it's grand central station for the Bible. Folks, out of the 404 verses that's in this book, at least 600 I've heard as high as 800 and some scriptures from the Word of God, Old Testament and New, are found and referenced in this book. Revelation ties everything together. So we're going to use the Bible, like we began saying, to interpret the Bible so that we will know exactly what this is saying to us today. First of all, we said that the throne represents power, authority, and rulership. And the one who sits upon the throne is Jesus Christ. And so therefore, he is king of kings, and he is lord of lords, and he is our savior. He's the one who sits upon the throne. But we're also going to find out something else about that throne here in just a second. We are the subjects of the king and his kingdom. We are his people. He is our leader and our shepherd. And now, in verse 3, we get these wonderful things about the throne the jasper, and the sardius stone. Well, if we let the Bible interpret the Bible and do a word search for jasper and sardius stones, you know what you're going to find? It's first referenced in Exodus chapter 28. And there in Exodus 28, God goes to Moses and he says, we're going to build a tabernacle. And that tabernacle is going to be a place where I dwell. And I want you to bring your brother Aaron near to me and his sons. And he is going to be a priest unto me. And you're going to get with those people whom my spirit is within, who have I have given to be arts and craftsmen. And I want you to make for Aaron your brother, for the high priest and for his sons, some things. And they made, he details the garments. And one of the things that he talks about making is the breastplate. Plate of the high priest. And in Exodus 28, 
it begins and it says that this is what it is in verse 15. The breastplate is called the piece of judgment. It will be made with gold and then it will have blue and scarlet material. And you will mount upon that breastplate four rows of three stones to represent the twelve tribes of Israel. And then it starts out in verse uh, 20, and it says, the first one it says in there is what stone? Sardius is the first stone on row one. What is the last stone on row four? Jasper. So the one who sits upon the throne is like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. Jesus Christ is the first and last, not only as God eternal, but He became our high priest. And as the high priest's breastplate that was made had the twelve tribes signifying all of the children of Israel, Jesus is the jasper and the sardius stone sitting upon the throne. He has became our high priest in all things unto God. He wraps it all in one. And just as those 12 tribes represented all of Israel, it represents all of us as His church that He is our high priest. Now, He's not only King of kings, Lord of lords, but now we're seeing a new thing. He's the high priest unto God for us. Why is that something magnificent? Well, first of all, He introduced it in our book, I don't know if you remember back in chapter 1 and verse 5 and 6, said, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us, washed us from our sins by his own blood, and he made us to be what? Kings and priests. Unto his his God and Father, to Him be glory and dominion. You know why we can be kings and priests? Because we are in Him, in Christ, and we are sons of God. Who was the priest in Israel? Aaron and his sons. And only those who were sons in the lineage of Aaron could be priests. We are a kingdom of priests unto God Because we are in Christ Jesus and we are his sons now as we found out last week. And he loved us and washed us in his blood. And the one that sits upon the throne is the high priest. And why is that so important? Because it is graciousness to us. Do you know what a priest does? Do you know what a high priest is even for? He is the intercessor. He is the mediator. The goal between from God to man. Jesus Christ has become the mediator. You remember the scripture that says that there's one mediator between God and man. The man Christ, Jesus. And as mediator, he is the high priest. The high priest's job was to mediate to God. But once a year, he offered up the sacrifice on the day of atonement. And he was the only one out of everyone once a year to be able to go into the most holy place, the holy of holies. And he would take the blood of the lamb and he would put it in there on the holy of holies to offer atonement for the people. And year 
by year, the sins, the word for atonement in the Hebrew means to cover over. And the sins of the people was covered over until Messiah would come. And they were looking and longing for that Messiah. Do you remember when Jesus talked with the woman at the well? And they were going back and forth. And then finally, she said to end one of the conversations, We know that when Messiah comes, He's going to make all things clear to us. And He said, The one that you're speaking to is He. He was Messiah and He came. And it says that I am now your high priest. The Word became flesh, John 1. Dwelt, He tabernacled with us. And He became flesh. And then it says... Because he became flesh and he lived a perfect life, he overcame the obstacles for us. He was able to offer himself up as the offering to God, like the high priest offered the lambs every year. You remember when John the Baptist saw him coming and he pointed and what he said? Behold, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. And as the Lamb of God, He was able to offer Himself as the sacrifice. And as that, He became our High Priest. I want you to see what Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9 says up there. This is why this is so important, to see that the one that is on the throne is our High Priest. It says there, We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, For the suffering of death, he was crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. And if I get emotional here, I want you to forgive me. Because I was earlier this week. This convicted me. By the grace of God. That wasn't for Jesus. It wasn't Jesus's grace of God that's the grace of God to you and I he felt the wrath of God God is so gracious to us that he offered up his son he gave his son for us that he might taste death for everyone and I'm going to tell you what my personal opinion of that verse is my personal opinion is that during those three hours he was on the cross for about six But during the three hours when noontime came and the people got tired of wagging their tongues and mocking him, darkness came. And it says it was pitch black. Kind of like what hell is going to be like, isn't it? Because it's a place of utter darkness. And it says that the utter darkness was there and he began to cry out. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Psalm 22 says that he roared that. That it was pain and anguish that caused him to roar those words. The beatings that he took when they would punch him and say, Prophesy to me now, Messiah, who hit you? When they pulled out his beard, it says in Isaiah 53, and pulled it out by the roots and marred his face. And when they took the whip and they whipped him, it says that he stood like a lamb before the shears silent. All of those things, he did not cry out. But when he went to the cross, 
And he bore my sin. He tasted death for me. I believe that that means that he had to suffer my penalty and your penalty during those three hours. And as the sins of the world was bore upon him like a computer program, he was tasting the darkness of hell, the separation from God, and the pain of the fire that is there. And the pain was so unbearable that he had to cry out. In agony. And it's by the grace of God. He did that for you and I. And because of that. He is now qualified. To be our high priest. And to sit upon that throne in heaven. And this verse. The reason he had to do that. Is Second Corinthians chapter 5 right there. Because God caused him. Who knew no sin. To become sin. My sin for me. That we might be able to become the righteousness of God in Him. And so therefore, after we see that He tasted death for us in chapter 2 verse 9. Look at what chapter 2 verse 10 says. That made it fitting. Because He did that, He was able to bring many sons to glory. And to be the captain of our salvation through His suffering. And then going down to verse 17, it says... He did all of this that he might be a what? Merciful and faithful high priest. In all things pertaining to God, he made the propitiation for the sins of the people. He atoned for our sins with that act. And because he was tempted in all things, he is now able to aid you and I who are tempted in things like as he was. He became our merciful and our faithful high priest by going through that suffering and tasting death for us. He's the only one now who is qualified to be the mediator between God and man. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 22 through 28 says this, In the days of Israel there was many priests, but Because they were also human and death came, it prevented them from continuing in that role forever. So they were always being replaced. But Jesus, because he now continues forever as God and as our high priest, he is now able to have an unchangeable priesthood. He sits on the throne as our high priest. And then it says, therefore, as high priest of us making atonement. Therefore he is able to save to the. Oh barely crossing the line. Is that what you read up there? What's the word you read? He's able to save what? To the uttermost. I like that word. All the way out and beyond. To infinity and beyond. To the uttermost. Because of what he did. He is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through Him. Since, and now I want you to catch this last part of the verse. Since He ever lives to make intercession for us. Our Lord ever lives. His purpose to continue going forward is to make intercession for us. Do you know what intercession means? 
It means to represent someone. He is our lawyer in heaven. He is our intercessor. He is the one that when Satan tries to stand there and accuse us of what we've done, he's able to say, I atoned for that. You remember? I atoned for that. I am the high priest and I have covered those sins with my blood. This is a family matter, God. And then... Case dismissed. We will handle it. You have no part in this person, Satan. He ever lives to represent you and I to God. That means when 1 John 1 and verse 9 says that if we will confess our faults to Him, that He is faithful and just to be able to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because of what He did upon that cross. And He is now our high priest. Jesus is your ticket to heaven, and he's already paid the price. You see, as a high priest, the book of Hebrews goes on to tell us in chapter 9. It says this, He came as a high priest, not with the blood of bulls and goats as they did in days of old, but he did something else. He entered into the perfect tabernacle in heaven. He entered into the holiest of holies in the heavenly realm before God, and he offered his own blood upon the altar there as an intercessor and an offering for us. And therefore, how much more then now shall the blood of Christ cleanse us through the eternal spirit that was offered himself without spot or blemish to God, now continue to cleanse our conscience from all of its dead works to serve the living God. And then it goes on to say that he is the mediator of the new covenant. You know, whenever he instituted the Lord's Supper that night, when he got to the fruit of the vine, he said, this represents the blood that will be shed for the new covenant that I am making with you so that we might have that promise to inherit eternal life. Just as it is pointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment, so Christ offered up himself so that we do not have to face that judgment alone, but we are covered, atoned by his blood. Praise God. If, if we see that the angels sing to him, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is and was and who is to come, and if they bow down before him, how much more us who are washed in the blood should be able to give praise and glory and honor to Him. And as a reminder of that covenant relationship that He has now made with us through His blood to God, as a reminder, you see, the one who sat upon the throne was a sardius and a jasper, the high priest, the mediator of this new covenant. What else was there? Back to Revelation 4.3. It says, He that sat upon the throne was like a jasper and a sardius, in appearance. And then it says there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. We've got a high priest, an intercessor, the one who is the first and last, the sardius and the jasper. But there's a rainbow around that throne, as an emerald in green. Greenery represents life. It represents eternal life. Jesus once said, if you can do these things while the tree is green, what are you going to do whenever the tree is dry? Greenery means life. So, it says he made the new covenant. 
You know what a rainbow represents? A covenant. You remember Genesis chapter 6, the flood? You remember that all flesh had become corrupted before God, and he says, I'm going to have to destroy man whom I have made. Then he said what? Noah found grace in the eyes of God. And he told him to build an ark. And he told him how to build it. And before he got done with it, when the ark was finished, he said one more thing. I want you to pitch it within and without. The word in the Hebrew for to pitch is covering, atonement. Just what we've been talking about with the blood of Christ. That vessel was a vessel of atonement. It was a vessel that was covered symbolically by the blood of Christ. It was the vessel that was going to take them from judgment into a new world and a new land. And then it says, in the flood came, and in chapter 8 it says that God remembered Noah and began to recede the waters. And the waters receded and he sent out birds to see if it was safe to go out yet. And then we get to chapter 9. In chapter 9, he says, I'm not going to curse man again. Noah gets off of the ark. He builds an altar. He offers a sacrifice, and it says that it is a soothing, sweet smell to God. And he says, I will make a covenant with you that I will never again destroy this earth and flesh with the water. And then he says this in chapter 9 and verse 8. I will establish my covenant relationship with you and your descendants and all the beasts of the field. Thus is how I will establish my covenant with you. All who go out of the ark. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Verse 12. Here's our focal point. This is the sign of my covenant with you. I will set my rainbow in the cloud and it will be for a sign of my covenant between me and all of the earth. And every time, God says, that I see the rainbow in the cloud, I will remember my covenant with you. Verse 16, the rainbow will be in the cloud. I will look upon it and I will remember the everlasting covenant that I have made with you. Folks, what does a rainbow represent? An everlasting covenant that God has made with us. And when it says that there is an emerald rainbow around the throne of God, it's talking about eternal life. And I have made a covenant with you. My son's blood when he instituted that Lord's Supper said, this is my covenant with you, the new covenant that is in my blood. He washed us as the high priest and cleansed us. He is the high priest who sits upon the throne. Every time Satan tries to say they should be condemned, God looks and sees a green rainbow around the throne. And it says eternal life. My high priest paid for it. And the rainbow is my everlasting covenant. And every time... I look upon the rainbow. I remember my covenant that I have made with you. I saw the throne and he who sat upon the throne like a sardius and a jasper in appearance. And around the throne was an emerald rainbow. 
He became the high priest and the mediator of the covenant. And that covenant relationship has to stand forever. And as a symbol of that, it is around the throne for God to see for all eternity. And you know what? Just like with Noah and the ark and the rainbow and the covenant, who was brought through to safety? All of those who were on the what? The ark. All of those who were inside the vessel of atonement. Guess who our vessel of atonement is? Jesus. The church is his what? Body. We are the body of Christ. It's not the building, it's us. We are the church, we are the body of Christ. And if you are in Christ Jesus, you are per se in the ark of safety that's going to take you through the flood, through the devastation, and bring you out on the other side into a relationship of this covenant relationship with God. And you say, Daryl, are you stretching the truth there a little bit? Are you painting a kind of a story for me about Jesus and, and the ark and his body representing that? No, because as we get ready to close, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning in verse 18, if you got it there. If you don't have your Bible, we got it on the board. But it says there that Christ also once suffered for our sins, the just one for the unjust, so that he might be this propitiation, this atonement, this covering for our sins. And then it says this, He also went and preached to the spirits who were in prison, who were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in what days? Noah. Noah. While the ark was preparing, were in few, that is, eight souls were saved by what? The like figure, whereunto even what? Baptism. Doth now also save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of the good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Christ. And it's not just that, it's your faith. Hebrews 11 says that by faith, Noah moved with fear and built the ark. Faith is doing what God told you to do. If he had not moved with fear and built the ark, then it wouldn't say by faith. We are saved by faith in God, but he's told us to do this. Atone yourself inside the ark. The like figure of baptism is the profession of, of your faith that you do what he told you to do. You've already got the faith. He's asked you to do that. And it says in verse 22. He is our high priest. He has gone into heaven. He is sitting on the right hand of God. Angels, authorities, and powers are made subject now to him. Man. Man. As the worship team comes on back up and we get ready to close. Jesus, the Messiah... The Lamb, the High Priest. He sits on the throne at the right hand of God. And that now all who enter into Christ Jesus, as those eight souls entered into the ark, all who are in Christ by faith, Romans 6.1 says, all of us are in Christ Jesus. He says, 
when we do that, we are inside the atonement vessel. Jesus is our atonement vessel. And he is the high priest of our profession and our calling. He sits upon the throne. And around the throne is the symbol forever of that covenant relationship with us that God will always honor. The rainbow that says we belong to him. Wasn't too hard, was it? Revelation, oh, if you let the Bible interpret the Bible, you'll be able to see what God's telling you. Today, he wanted to tell us a throne stands for power, kingdomship, and authority. My son is on it. He is your high priest. And he made a covenant relationship between me and you that will stand forever. And I look at it every day. Rest in that fact, folks. What great news of encouragement. What more could a son give to a mother or a father than what Jesus the Son has given to us? Happy Mother's Day, y'all. You're blessed. You're atoned. There's a covenant relationship between you and God forever. If you are in Christ Jesus, let's pray. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this wonderful lesson of encouragement from your word that we have a high priest who understands our temptations. He was in all ways tempted like us. So therefore, he can be that mediator and a comforter to us and help us through our temptations to atone us and to bring us out on the other side in a relationship with you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.